God send his son into the world to die? It's a question that people still wrestle with, but for the first thousand years of our faith, a thousand years after Jesus walked the earth, people really wrestled with this question. And there were all kinds of answers given. And I think what that shows us is there's no one right answer to this question. Why did Jesus come into the world to die? In fact, to, to think there would be one right answer, that would be, that would be arrogant, at least to assume that you had the right answer. Not only that, but it, but it would be demeaning. Because as I told you at the beginning, from the beginning of time, the scriptures testified to this event. The crucifixion of Jesus, his death and resurrection, are the culmination of all of human history. It's got more facets than a brilliant cut diamond. And so to reduce all of that, the totality of God's masterpiece, down to one answer, not only is it arrogant, but it's disrespectful. It diminishes the mastery of God's great work. There's no one right way to answer the question, why did God send his son into the world to die? But there are wrong answers. I know this because for a while in my life, I, I believed a, a wrong answer. I would look at Jesus on the cross and and I would ask the question, why, why did God send his son to die? And the only answer I could come up with is, God would love to do this to me, but Jesus was good enough to intervene. If it hadn't been for Jesus, that would be me. Now, I, I don't know if I believe that because I, I grew up around violent and angry people. I don't know if I believe that because I was taught it by pastors who meant well and and, and taught Isaiah 53, but maybe didn't understand the fullness of what it is. But, but this is what we as people do so often. We take our, our questions, our confusion, and we put them on God, and we assume that God is somehow bloodthirsty, that God is vengeful, that God is angry. I have to tell you, God is none of those things. We as humans are. And, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons God sent his son into the world to show us, to hold up a mirror so that we would see ourselves more rightly, that we would see what is inside of us, that we would take the perfect, beautiful, righteous son of God and we would crucify him. We would see that although we want to put violence and vengeance and brutality on God and we do it all the time, the, the truth is those things describe us, not God. See, why did God send his son into the world to die? It's not because he really wanted to do this to you, but Jesus was good enough to intervene. It's the wrong answer. I discovered it was the wrong answer after years of believing it. And, and I think there are lots of other right ans wrong answers out there, but I know this is a common one. Uh, but I, about 17 years ago, I was a pastor in my first church, and, uh, and there was an older gentleman in the church, his name was Ron, and he was a retired fire chief. And he used to take me to breakfast a couple times a month. Uh, I mean, once every couple months. I wish he took me a couple times a month. Uh, I was poor, and I really would have loved more breakfast. But 
he would take me to breakfast once every couple months, and uh, and and he, he Ron had the heart of an evangelist. He, he just loved to tell people about Jesus. And I think the reason he took me to breakfast is because he knew that as a young pastor, and this is the thing about those of us who get into ministry, we do it because we love God and we love people. But working with people all the time can start to give you a hard heart. And I think Ron took me to breakfast just to make sure that my heart didn't get hard, that I would stay loving people and. And, and I remember one day we were sitting at breakfast and, and we were talking about this very thing. And he said, you know, I know there are all these really impressive theological arguments about why God sent his son into the world to die, but I don't think we need any of them. And being a fairly recent graduate from the seminary, I, I thought, okay, this is interesting. I leaned forward and he said, the answer is actually pretty simple and it's right there in the scriptures. God sent his son into the world to die because he loved me. That's it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The answer I had grabbed onto, why did God send his son into the world? He must be an angry God, a vengeful God who wants to punish us, but instead Jesus was good enough to get in the way and take the blows in our place. In that moment I thought, no, no, that can't be true because the root of the right answer must be love. You see, there are lots of ways we could answer this question any of them that don't start with love will give you the wrong answer. Uh, tonight, I want to share with you an answer to this question. Why did God send his son into the world to die? And, and it starts with love, but it goes beyond that. It goes a step further. Uh, and, and I'll just put it out there for you just plainly. See, the cross of Jesus is proof that there are absolutely no limits to where God is willing to go in order to be with you. You hear me? There are, there are no limits. That's what the cross shows us. There are no limits. There are no boundaries on, on where God is willing to go, where he will go or will not go. There are no limits on where he will go in order to be close to you. If you've been around Pathfinder for a while or if you know me uh, decently, you might know that one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite worship songs is a song called Shadow Step. It's a song that we sing here. We used to sing it more often, but uh, we sung it on some big, big events, big, big days, big milestones. It's, it's such a powerful song. I love it. It's so poetic. Um, it actually goes like this. You met me at the sinner's table. I found you waiting by the well, unexpected. You are always there, tracing all my steps. You know what? Sing it. Light up the way of your heart. Move me like you do the mountains. Move me like you do the wind. And I'll chase your voice through the dark. Fix my eyes on the unexpected in the wonder of your shadow step. So take another step. Isn't that an amazing song? If you haven't heard that song before, maybe you're trying to figure out what it means. Uh, I'll tell you about what it means to me. 
That's a song that um, I have sung to myself repeatedly when I was lacking courage to do something that I knew I had to do. Years ago, our church was in a place where he'd conducted years of research and, and uh, wrestling with the decision about whether or not we needed to change our name. And, and we finally got to the point where I had to go out on a limb and, and say what I thought, to say whether we should go through with this, and not only that, but to recommend a name. And, and I was terrified. Because I don't know about other leaders, but I doubt other leaders. I, I significantly doubt when any leader says with 100% certainty that God told them what to do. You ever heard that? God said to me, thus saith the Lord. I, I'm 100% sure this is what God wants me to do. I, I don't buy that, frankly. That's not been my experience as a leader, and, and that doesn't meet the biblical story that we're called to walk by faith. God tells you 100% and gives you marching orders. Where's the faith in that? And, and all I know is that that's not been my experience. And so I was at this moment where i done all this research and everyone was waiting on me to say, yeah, I think we should change our name or no, I don't think we, we should. And, and yeah, I think we should change our name and here's what I think we should change it to. And, and I was about 51% sure that it was the right thing, which is not a lot. And uh, I, I was actually um, in Colorado for a conference, and, and I just remember hiking, and I was, I was singing this song. And it was a reminder to me of something. And, and this is something I have to remind myself over and over again in life. That when you're facing something uncertain and you're not sure which way to go, you're not sure the path to take, and, and you're worried about, about what's gonna, what the consequences are going to be, here's the truth. If you love God, if, if your heart is for him, then no matter what road you take, he'll go with you. He won't abandon you if you make a mistake, if you take the wrong road. You met me at the sinner's table. Like, he's going to be there. Not only will he be there for you, not only will he walk there with you, but, but he's so good that wherever you walk, he goes ahead of you. See, I love that song because it's a reminder that every step I take, although it feels bold and it feels like I'm pioneering and I'm trailblazing and I'm, and I'm out on a limb and I'm doing something crazy and I'm all by myself, I'm not only not alone, but even at my bravest, all I'm doing is walking in his shadow step by step. I remember singing the same song the day that Jocelyn and I sent off our firstborn to college. She goes to school in California and we... Couldn't go out with her to move her in initially. We had to come later. And, and, and so we were there at the airport, and, and, and we're sending off our daughter on a plane to California, and she's got to find her way from the airport to campus. And we're sending her all those miles away, and, and there's no one there to receive her. And I just remember how, how bad that felt as a parent. And it was the right thing to do, it felt like. She's old enough, this is part of life, but it, it, didn't, it didn't feel right. And, and we were there in the airport, whole family there, and, and she's got her two big suitcases, and she's zigzagging through TSA. And, and, and we watch her until she goes through, and she cuts through the concourse, and, and we all just walk out, and we're crying. And I remember the words of this song. I just thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not sending her out to school where she won't be received by anyone. Jesus is already there. 
He's there to receive her. Not only that, but, but every leg of her journey without us as parents, she's not on her own. He's with her. Not only is he with her, but he's going ahead of her at best. And at worst, in all things, she's just walking in his shadow. I love the visual of that song. I believe it's true biblically. I visualize that, that picture over and over and over again when I need courage that wherever I go, not only is he with me, but he's good enough to lead the way. And that's what we see literally playing out in the drama of Good Friday. There's nowhere I can go where God isn't willing to go in order to be with me. See, I don't know about you, but I, but I used to think that if I did life right, that if I made the right choices, then I would have a life of blessing. If I, if I, if I tried to be righteous and I made good decisions, I could avoid pain. Anyone else kind of think that way sometimes? Like if I could eat healthy and if I exercise, then I'll avoid any serious health problems, complications, or disease. If, I, if I'm an invested parent and I tuck my kids in at bed and I pray over them and I show up at their soccer games and their musicals and, and, and I'm, I'm that kind of dad, then they're going to grow up and they're going to be well-adjusted people who don't have any problems and there will never be any distance between me and them and our relationship. There will never be any estrangement. If I invest in my marriage and I date my wife and, and we communicate with each other and we go to church together, that, that we'll never have any serious marriage problems. I assumed if, if I just did the right thing, then I could find blessing or at least I could avoid pain. And I also then on the flip side assumed that whenever I found myself in pain, it must be because I did something wrong. I made a mistake. And although it's true, if you touch a hot stove, your mind and your body will send you a quick message, hey, do something different because this isn't, this isn't good, this isn't working. Pain can be a result of bad decisions. But the truth is, even when you're not making bad decisions, there's pain in life. See, see our world is full of, of the kind of thinking that says, if you do well, you'll be blessed. If you do wrong, you'll be in pain. If, if you're blessed, it's because you did something right. If you're in pain, it's because you must have done something wrong. Unfortunately, so many of our churches are the same. But Jesus on the cross blows the lid off that. Jesus shows us that even if you live life perfectly, even if you could do that, and we can't, but he could. Jesus shows us that even when you live life perfectly, it doesn't spare you from pain. You don't get to avoid suffering. You tracking? See, maybe one of the reasons God sent his son into the world to die is simply to, to help us understand, to see that, that suffering and pain are universal. Betrayal and abandonment are universal. Injustice is universal. Death is universal. You cannot avoid it. And yeah, you can add to those things. You can add to your pain by being foolish or wicked, but you can't avoid those things by being saintly and wise. If Jesus' goodness didn't excuse him from the hardest things in life, then ours can't either. 
See, maybe God is just telling us by watching Jesus, the, the, the pure and blameless and good and loving Jesus, go to a cross. Maybe God's telling us that when we find ourselves in a place of suffering, that we shouldn't be surprised. This is universal. This is just part of life here. But not only that, I think Jesus on the cross and what happens starting tomorrow, it's a reminder for us that if you really want to live, you have to be willing to die first. And that's true literally. If we want to taste eternal life, we have to be willing to face death first. But it's also true in all kinds of ways. If I really want to live, the only way I can come into life is first, is by first dying. Dying to, to my own plans, to my own will, to my own ego, to my own sense of justice and how things should be. See, not only does Jesus show us that, that Golgotha, the place of the skull, crosses our universal part of, of the human experience, but he shows us that we shouldn't fear those things. Because death is the way to life. And when we die, that's how we get to live. But even that's not all. And and you see, I think this is the most beautiful part of all of this. You know what I think Jesus coming to earth and dying on a cross means for us? One of the things that God wanted to show us, I think he wanted to show us that whenever you're in that terrifying and lonely place in life, whenever you've been abandoned or betrayed, when you're in pain, when you're suffering, when you're experiencing injustice, when you're even facing death, here's what you can know. As you head toward Golgotha, as you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, here's what you can know. That not only is Jesus with you, but he's already there. As you face the hardest things in life, as you face death itself, you're not walking into empty, emptiness. Jesus has put himself there, ahead of you. He's gone ahead of you so that you will know that you are never alone. More than that, he's gone ahead of you to prove to you that there is nowhere he is unwilling to go in order to be with you, that his love is that deep that the immortal, ever-living God made himself mortal. And he willingly died. So that as we walk toward our own death and all of the pain and suffering that comes because of death in this world, that we know that even there, we're walking in his shadow. He's led the way. He's waiting for us there. There is truly nowhere you can go in heaven, on earth, below the earth, anywhere in all of creation. There's nowhere you can go where God is not willing to find you, to be with you, 
out of love for you. See, I don't know if in your life you've been loved well. I don't know if you grew up in a, a home where you were celebrated and you had parents who delighted in you and, and you were cared for and nurtured and you have a rich community of friends. I don't know if it's your story or if, if, you, if you have never felt loved very well. See, whoever you are, here's what I can promise you. You have never in your life encountered a love like this. Jesus came and he gave his life on a cross. He died to prove the depths of his love that wherever we go, there he will be. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your dedication to us. In the pain of life, in the suffering of life, in our losses, our betrayals, our abandonment, in the face of injustice, in the face of death itself, Lord Jesus, thank you for your devotion to us. That you never abandon us. You you don't turn back. You don't leave us in those painful moments. But Lord Jesus, thank you all the more that you were willing to go to those places first. so that in our most forsaken moments of life where we are feeling utterly abandoned and forgotten Jesus thank you for going there first and I I pray that you would remind us of this of your love of your, your presence so that as we face difficult things, dark things, hard things, which are universal, as we suffer through those things, knowing that in your hands, death is the doorway to life. Lord Jesus, remind us that we're never alone. Remind us of the depths of your love. Remind us that you walked into death first. So that there's not a place we can go where you are not that every step we take is only a step, it's always a step toward you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your ongoing devotion to us. Rend our hearts and then put them back together. Rebuild them that we might love you with all of our being which is only still a fraction of how well you love us. Have your way.